Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is our review of It Comes at Night. <laughs> I just want to talk, and I want honest answers. Do you have any idea what's going on out there? I'm going to try and help your new family. I want to thank you again for letting us stay here. through a few things. When we go out during the day, we like to stick to groups just for safety. The red door, it's the only way in and out of the house. It stays closed and locked all the time. <laughs> I have the keys. It's the only set. <laughs> Most important thing. What's he see? It's okay. Just go inside. We never go out at night. All right, everybody, you were just listening to the trailer for It Comes at Night, and the story is as follows. Secure within a desolate home as an unnatural threat terrorizes the world, the tenuous order a man has established with his wife and son is put to the ultimate test with the arrival of a desperate family seeking refuge. Despite the best intentions of both families, paranoia and mistrust boil over as the horrors outside creep ever closer, awakening something hidden and monstrous within the man as he learns that the protection of his family comes at the cost of his soul. The film is starring Joel Egerton, Riley Keough, Christopher Abbott, Carmen Ijogo, and Kelvin Harrison Jr. It is written and directed by Trey Edward Schultz. And join me for this review, I have Josh Williams. Hey everybody, how's it going? So Josh, uh, the most important question on my mind before we get started with this is, have you seen Creature, Trey Edward Schultz's first film prior beforehand? You're going to hate me for this. It might even kick me off the show, but I haven't. You need to go see that, man. <laughs> I know. Oh my God. Um, yeah. Uh, wow. I really thought you had seen that. I think it's on Amazon Video right now. You could probably check it out uh, later today if you really have time. Yeah. It's a very short, I think it's like 80 minutes long. Um, it is a, you're going to hear me say this word a lot, devastating, um, emotional human drama mm-hmm. that once again, the focus is on family. Mm-hmm. Uh, this woman, Cresha is like a former addict. She comes home to spend like Thanksgiving dinner with her family in this like very large house. And it's just about those, uh, past demons, you know, simmering on the surface and making their way through because there's just like, you know, there's there's like a history, you know, that's in the past that's never shown, but the characters talk about it and you know that she's burned bridges and there's just like this tension that is constantly in the air. It's 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 amazing. Yeah, I heard some wonderful stuff about it last year and I just never got around to watching it when it first came out and I wanted to see it before I saw it, it comes at night. I just didn't get around to having the time, but now it's like on top of the watch list is that movie. 
Oh, yeah, absolutely. Trey Edward Schultz is such a uh, force to be reckoned with at this point. Only two films into his career. He's only 28 years old. Uh, that might be a bit of a spoiler for my thoughts on the movie, but let's hear your start uh, first. What did you think of It Comes at Night? Oh, man. I mean, it was just from the trailers alone when they first released, it, I knew it was going to be one of the favorites of the year. Just the way the trailers were shot and how you could see that even knowing that it was Trey Edward Schultz's sophomore film that he uh, he just had so much potential and ability in his approach and so seeing it and getting to watch not only just the visuals but then see the story as well he's just like the dude's great like you can't go wrong with any of his films now um but I adored the hell out of it I was really excited and it delivered on every level um, I thought all of the acting was fantastic. The actor that plays Travis, uh, Kelvin Harrison Jr., was mm-hmm. fantastic. And I'd never seen him in anything else, but he was amazing. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you on that. Um, Joel Egerton is obviously the star here, and he's going to get most of the uh, recognition. Yeah. But Carmen Ishogo is like really good with yeah. what she she does a lot with uh, subtlety in this film, I feel like. Uh, yeah. Um, Christopher Abbott and uh, Riley Keough, they they just by the end of this movie, it, it like what what God, I'm trying not to get into spoilers here, but everybody is pushed to their emotional limit. Yeah, you know, and it, what they and what you get towards the end of this film is something that's really, really, truly um, uncomfortable to watch. It's deeply disturbing. No, yeah, um, and that's part of the that's part of the thing about this. Is you know you wrote an article for the site on how Trey Edward Schultz approaches uh, this project here, and his approach is different than most other horror directors. Um, yeah. He's got more of a um, uh, of withholding going on, I would say, in terms of what he chooses to show versus what he chooses not to show. And as a result of that, that makes um, the proceedings that much more terrifying. Yeah. So. You know, I'm seeing influences all over the place here from, you know, you're seeing stuff like uh, Terrence Malick and the way that his film is uh, lit with the um, uh, natural lighting. Um, You can see influences of um, even Paul Thomas Anderson. Mm -hmm. With the one takes, yeah. Yep, definitely. Um, I'm not even sure, like, you know, but he has these moments where his camera will just, like, subtly push in onto an object. Mm-hmm. And you're waiting for something to either pop in the frame or something to just jump at you. And it doesn't. And it's just so uncomfortable, you know? <laughs> there were so many shots where I was, like, trying to pay attention to something in the background to see if, like, something would appear or just, like, slowly waiting for something to, like, come out of the dark. Because the film is so dark. And it's and not in a bad way. Like, it's not grainy or... Um, dirty, but every time they're in the house and it's nighttime, or anytime it's just nighttime, the film is so dark. Yeah. And so I was just like constantly like, like gripping my seat, just like, oh my god, when the fuck is something gonna come out of the dark right now? <laughs> like, stop teasing me. Yeah. But he never does it, and it blew my mind. I couldn't believe it. Like, props to him because I feel like it's hard, especially in the modern day of horror, to not take that approach, like to not approach it from that angle. 
Well, this is my kind of favorite horror. I really love horror that uh, touches uh, deeply psychologically within your within yourself, taps into something that is very human, and in the end disturbs you. Yeah. Uh, last year, I called The Witch the scariest horror film I've seen since The Original Exorcist, mm-hmm. um, and just in how much it really disturbed me and uh, the craft and, and the filmmaking that was involved with that. Um, I would venture to say that this film here is... A little bit different, um, but in the same realm as far as quality filmmaking is concerned. I agree. Which is interesting because I, I heard an interview with Trey Edward Schultz where he said that um, in terms of in terms of coverage, he didn't get like as much coverage as he wanted when he went to go uh, edit the movie later on. Mm-hmm. And I find that very interesting because I feel that the shots where maybe it's like an extreme close-up of, of Joel Argerton's face and it holds on it for quite a while um, – those are the moments that resonate with me so much because you're getting so much of the character's performance. Me too. I wouldn't. I, I think I wouldn't have liked it if they cut more. Yeah, yeah. I think it would have taken away from the moment. I think this film has one thing that a lot of other uh, horror films don't have. Maybe Get Out uh, displayed it earlier this year a little bit, but Patience. Yeah, definitely. You know, th- there's definitely a... There's definitely like a buildup and a sense of momentum that carries its way through to this uh, to the ending of this movie, and it doesn't overstay its welcome. It's only what like 91 minutes long. Yeah, it's an hour and 31 minutes, I think. No, oh, 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 I, I'm sorry. I thought you meant like 131 minutes. Yeah, an hour and 31. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. sorry. <laughs> yeah, um, but man, by the end of this movie, I was um, I was a wreck. Me too. Uh, f- physically, emotionally, mentally, uh, I was completely exhausted. Yeah exhausted because uh these characters like i was saying before really really get pushed to the limit in a very big way here i mean the opening shot alone uh, right ugh. chills yeah chills uh the grandfather uh it starts off with the grandfather of this family mm-hmm. you don't even know that he's a grandfather like you don't know anything don't when even this movie know first starts <laughs> yeah exactly he's just staring into the camera blank stare mm-hmm. it's very uncomfortable um you see that he's got you know, um, I guess some sort of an illness going on. Everybody's mm-hmm. got gas masks uh, around him. He's obviously very frail. And then they, like, take him out in the woods and they put him out of his misery. And it's yeah. just, my God, this is so bleak. <laughs> yeah, it's ridiculous. One thing that I think is funny that they do, um, Justine, even, like, more, like, realistic extent of the humanity portion is, like, every mm-hmm. after every significant event in the film, they're at the dinner table. I think that's so funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because Joe Egerton has um, a set of rules mm-hmm. which he forces his family to follow in an effort to just stay, um, I guess you could say regimented. There's a sense of routine. Yeah. And it's how ultimately he believes they will stay alive. Yeah. Going to make it easier for them, yeah. Yeah, part of that is them getting to, together at the dinner table together at night, every night. And yeah. you're right, after some of the things they do in a given day, those uh, cutaways to that dinner table, man. Whew. It's 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 like it's like it's meant to drop the tension, but it doesn't at all. Oh no! And you know, would you agree with me that the final shot of this movie is the perfect combination of theme, character, um, just like that that emotional climax where it's like the film just peaks. Yeah, you know what I mean. And then it just and then it just cuts and it ends. I was so happy. I couldn't because there was a there's a part right before the final shot, like a couple shots earlier, where they fade to black, and I was like, oh god, no, please don't let this be the end. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, I thought I the same like, exact no, 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 no. thing. Like, please let it keep going. 
You know, uh, one of the things that when in regards to his illness, too, that I really like and what also helps with the horror mm-hmm. is um, we talked a little bit before about what Trey Edward Schultz doesn't show. Mm-hmm. He also doesn't tell us through his script either. No, they never explain what's going on. The characters don't know. Yeah, nobody knows. I love that. It's great. <laughs> it's so great. I love that we don't know and I love that they don't know. Like, they never explain it to one another, and so we never know. We just have to guess. Imagine if this was, like, The Last of Us. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, you know, the the sickness turns everybody into, like, these uh, demented zombie-like creatures or whatever the case may be. But <laughs> we don't even know if that's the case. You I know? had a family. Uh, and, there was a family in the theater I was in when I saw it. And mm-hmm. when it ended, like, immediately after it ended, they were like, "What? we don't know what it is. <laughs> we don't know what comes at night. <laughs> just started laughing. Well, what do you what do you think it is without getting into spoilers? I don't know. It's hard to say. Like, there's a metaphor. I feel like there's a metaphorical answer because, like, what it could be is like the fear and the paranoia and like the anxiety of like the sickness and the illness. So, like, when it's nighttime, that obviously is like amplified. Well, I agree with you because you have to look at it from this way. I, I feel like these characters. One thing that um, one thing that became apparent to me at a certain point was that these characters are never allowed, even if the opportunity presents itself, with this other family, Christopher Abbott, Riley Keough, and their uh, son um, coming around. These characters are never allowed to enjoy life. No, they are just constantly every day is a means to an end the means of gathering the supplies the means of finding a water um sticking to this regiment literally just buying a day because to joel egerton the fact that his family is alive is everything but we as an audience look at that family and say well if that family could could enjoy themselves more that's what makes it worth and not so much just them staying alive Yeah, yeah and i think that it is that metaphor that you say, um, that metaphor of of um, losing one's humanity, losing what it means to feel alive. Yeah. I don't know why it has to come at night, yeah, I but... <laughs> I think it's just like the fear is amplified in the evening because they don't know. Like, they're, they, in the daytime, they could kind of see it, and they talk about how when they go out in the daytime, they go in twos, and they're, like, they're too nervous to, like, nobody ever opens the door and nobody ever leaves unless it's with me. And so it's like that alone is like, okay, they're paranoid enough already. But like when it's nighttime, like that's when it really happens. Like that's when it's over the edge and they're terrified all of the time. Yeah. I mean, you know, they have the gas masks and we don't know. uh, Maybe maybe, you know, but I I never got the clear clarification if the quote unquote sickness Mm -hmm. was something in the air or something that only transferred via body to body. I couldn't really tell either. I wonder if the gas mask was just like a precaution because there's scenes where they take them off during, right. like while they're outside. So I wasn't sure of that either, but I think it might just be like a precaution because they have the gloves on too. So it's just like if they, maybe the gas mask is so if the person like breathes or spits on them, like it doesn't get in their mouth, that would be my guess. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, you know, one other thing I'm going to touch upon here, um, Kelvin Harrison Jr. is almost like the co-lead. In a way. I think he is the lead. He's the star of the movie. Oh, you think so? I think so. I think he's the lead. Like, Edgerton is obviously, like, top build and, like, the main, the head honcho. But, like, I think he's the lead. Like, he is, the movie is about him. Well, how do you think he handles himself, then, as the unassuming lead of this film? Oh, he's so good. He's so good. You do. 
Yeah, hmm. he's fantastic. There was a there was a point in this movie where uh, he interacts with Riley Keough's character, mm-hmm. and I started getting a little scared about where the screenplay was going in regards to his. Um, hey, I'm 17 and I'm horny. Yeah, <laughs> stance, I got about that you know? too. Because there's yeah. that. Because there's the nightmare he has where he imagines her having sex and then he walks in the kitchen and they talk and i was like hmm i don't know (laughs) i started getting nervous too i was like i don't know about this (laughs) i would venture to say that that is probably the weakest point of the movie for me because it Mm -hmm. just made me feel so uncomfortable in terms of where that screenplay was going yeah um and i just didn't want to feel that way yeah no. uh but but one thing that those scenes do and one thing that i really wish there was more of was I really wish we had more scenes of every different type of character interaction. I wish we mm-hmm. could have gotten a scene between uh, Christopher Abbott and Carmen Ijogo's character more, or Riley Keough interacting more uh, one-on-one with Joel Egerton, or you know what mm-hmm. I mean? I really yeah, wish yeah. we could have gotten um, these interactions, uh, yeah. just kind of crisscrossing each other a little bit, mm-hmm. because I really, really felt that even though I kind of got like a surface level of the, uh, each character's humanity and the performances really help along with that i really did feel like i got um characterization out of these characters does that make sense i think i get what you're saying yeah i didn't really get the details about like who they are uh like what really develops fully yeah like give, like give me like a small character trait you mm. know just I don't know. Fuck it. Tell me that Riley Keel likes ice cream or something. I, yeah, I, I, I don't know. You know, just yeah. give me something um, other than here's what happened to us. Here's how we ended up here. We clearly all love each other and we'll do anything to survive, which is what's kind of beaten into our heads throughout that's, the whole movie. That's funny that you say that because now that I think about it, I don't think anybody has that. Exactly. Like, I don't think Joel Egerton's character has it. I don't think Calvin Harrison and um, the actress who plays Sarah, I can't remember her name, but I don't think any of them have that. Like, nobody has, like, a, a moment where we learn, like, a personal thing about them. Right, right. Maybe maybe with Calvin Harrison, like, with the dog, but that's it. I was going to say, we know that uh, he loves uh, Stanley, his dog, yeah. you know? Um, which is also another scene, too, in this movie uh, regarding the dog. Uh, I won't get into spoilers here, but uh. there is one scene with the dog that also broke me. Yeah. Um. I, I knew that when the tears started welling up, you know, I was like, all right, this movie's doing a number on me. Yeah. And then I brought my friend with me, and when I saw him squirm in his seat towards the end, I was like, all right, this film must definitely be doing its job. Yeah, yeah. Next thing you know, the credits roll, and we get up. People are walking out of the theater, and they're pissed off, and they're angry, and I just wanted to turn to them and just be like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Yeah, I know. Like, you know, it's like we, we talk about all the time how – <laughs> Well, we talk about all the time how we want better quality filmmaking and, you know, we don't want universe-built movies, you know, built by the Hollywood system. And you get something like this and you're complaining? Like, I just don't get it. I don't get it either. That scene is rough to watch, though. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. What did you think of the uh, interlaced uh, nightmares and the the idea of you don't know what's real and what's not, essentially? Every time we, every time it came to him sleeping, and we do the little push in, and then it fades to black. I was like, "Yes, dream sequence!" <laughs> like I got so excited. <laughs> the one where, and the one preceding the dog scene, when he walks into the woods, yeah, and he picks the gun up, and then he just we don't see it, we just see his reaction, but we hear the audio and the sound design of like what we assume is like a struggle in the background is horrifying. Like that scene, like 
shook me. I couldn't move. That was terrifying. You say the word shook. Um, this film left me shook. I, I was speechless by the end. Um, just to give a little bit of context here, um, other films that left me feeling this way, uh, Shutter Island. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll agree. The, the Mist, Frank Darabont's film. <laughs> I love that movie. Yeah, I know, right? That film is so campy, but it's so much fun. <laughs> it's so good. Um, Prisoners Ooh, is the number one. Mm-hmm. You know, there are some films that are very dark, very brutal, mm-hmm. um, and they um, all deal with, like we were saying before, characters' humanity to some degree or another. Yeah. And they have these endings that, you know, one could consider bold um, mm-hmm. and really, really um, just soul-crushingly terrifying. Yeah. I fucking love that. <laughs> yeah, me too. I like that it is so human. Like it, like we we you know we're tossing this word around a lot, like the humanity. But I think because none of the none of the decisions that the characters make ever feel like out of context, or like yeah. they ever feel um, unearned, or yeah, just downright like, oh, that wouldn't happen. Well, there's even like small moments of like just like subtle performances in the actors. Like I don't know if you noticed, but there's a scene where Joel Edgerton has to shoot somebody, and he's mm-hmm. like um, he's shaking, and you can see him shaking. Like oh he yeah! Doesn't want to, and so it's just just subtle things like that, you know, like the like him shaking because he doesn't actually have like the mentality to shoot someone. Or um, I've got another one for you. How about when he's walking through the forest and he trips over his stick in in the middle of the frame? Yeah, <laughs> like, like it's that. not meant to play for comedy or anything yeah. like that, but it's like one of those things where okay, like you you get the sense that this guy is imperfect. Yeah, or then like when Calvin Harrison is getting taught to. Um, chop wood and he like totally like does it kind of weird the first time but he does it it's like it's so small and natural and i was just like this is so lively like i feel like i'm just watching people it's so and then just like the the instinct of everybody reacting is so interesting because you play it with such the theme in your head of like what oh would i do this i wonder if i would do this is this the approach i would take it's so interesting to me oh very much so definitely um one a side note, just a side note. This isn't really important. Um, did you get the feeling that uh, uh, Travis uh, was not actually um, Joel Egerton's biological son? Um, at first I thought that. Mm-hmm. Like at first, there was a couple things that I saw. Like in the beginning, I didn't think he was. Like I, in the I'm looking at him I and I'm thought, like, that's not a mixed child. Yeah, you know what I mean. In, in the it, beginning, so, in the beginning, I thought it was Travis, his mom. And they had joined up with Joel Edgerton. That was the situation uh-huh. that I thought at first. But then as it went on, I was like, oh, okay, this is a family. And I think there's one, there might be a couple shots of like a portrait of the three of them. So then I, it like pushed that for the, like, oh, okay, they're all a family. Yeah, Joel Edgerton doesn't have the beard. Yeah. So I was like, which okay. is Which is what you do when the world is ending, of course. You yeah, have to you grow out a beard. beard. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, that was just one thing that, like I was saying before, just trying to find character moments, trying to understand who these people are. No, yeah. I was kind of like trying to fill in the gaps of, is this the man that uh, just married this woman who already had a already had a child? You know what I mean? Yeah. And mm. I was like trying to like figure out if that played into anything 
at it's all. Interesting. It's interesting if that would be the approach because there there are moments I got uncomfortable with a couple of the moments that Joel Edgerton and Calvin Harrison share. Like I thought there mm-hmm. was moments where Joel Edgerton is like a little rough on him. Oh yeah, definitely. And I didn't know. And to me, it was like the my first thought was, oh well, maybe it's just the, you know there's shit going on, so he's trying to like protect him. But now that you've brought that point up, it makes me wonder like. Uh, that could be a stepdad approach. Like if he was his stepfather, that would be an interesting mm-hmm. angle yeah. for the film at least. Uh, I can't wait to rewatch this movie and to oh, see yeah. if there's um, other gaps that I can like maybe fill in the blanks in for now that the emotional uh, uh, experience of witnessing it for the first time is over yeah. for me. Uh, and I can actually like concentrate on the movie as a movie because, yeah. you know, first time I'm watching it, like this is a movie that really transport transports you and you feel that you're in it. Oh, yeah. You know? It is so intense. I took a friend to see it as well. And if I hadn't taken a friend to see it, I would have turned around and just watched it again. Like on the second viewing. Like the second oh, nice. showing, I would have just turned around and watched it again. I wouldn't have cared. I, I definitely like, felt that way. For sure. <laughs> um, did you try to find the music after the movie was over as well? No, but the music was amazing. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, there's like some tribal elements. There's mm-hmm. some really, really great horror uh, elements mm-hmm. with the with the score as well. Yeah. Um, it, and it just overall just really, really, really helps the mood of the film. Yeah. Um, I'm not kidding when I say this. I'm gonna just I'm just gonna keep emphasizing this. This film is literally and metaphorically dark. Yeah. Like it's really. It's really so dark. like gorgeous too. Like to look at. Like there's so many beautiful like shots. Like even when it's like like even though it's a, like a hard moment when they when they burn the people like when they burn people that are sick, it's just like when the fire like comes up it's a it's mm-hmm. so gorgeous to look at and it's like oh my god this is amazing you know, absolutely absolutely uh, those flames just shot up like so mm. quickly it was crazy yeah. uh, really startling on a first time viewing for sure yeah okay um, now we're gonna head into uh, final thoughts. Mm-hmm. Great out of 10, whole numbers only, and any Oscar potential. Um, Final thoughts, it's just, I think Trey Edward Schultz has now literally mastered how to make a horror movie. And even though some people are, oh, this isn't a horror movie, it has all of the elements and all of the aspects to be a horror movie. Though the content may not be horror in terms of like The Exorcist or you know whatever other people believe you know the big horror movies are this is definitely like a horror movie for the ages like this is a very modern a very real and very um in your face kind of horror movie literally and so i think it's it's petrifying it's soul shaking like it literally you i was so stressed out the entire hour and 30 minutes like and once it ended like my heart stopped beating so fast once it was over cuz the from the moment the movie begins you're just put on this fucking train of stress um and i'll i'll be bold i'll give it a nine out of ten and in terms of oscar potential i sadly don't think there's any i would love to push for trey edward schultz as best director and an original screenplay nod but that would be what i would push for other than that but i don't see it happening yeah, um, if there was a little bit more characterization, I too could see maybe the best original screenplay nod, but um, this film being kept at 91 minutes is yeah. also a really good thing because had it overstayed its welcome and been like a two-hour movie, I don't think audiences could have handled it. I was begging for it not to end. Like, I wanted it to keep going. <laughs> oh, I know. I, I, I hear you. I mean, sometimes when you're experiencing, you know, cinematic bliss, uh, you just lose track of time and you're, mm-hmm. like I was saying before, you're just in it. And yeah. as a result, it's... 
something that you could watch for hours upon hours upon hours. I mean, that's yeah, why definitely. binge watching exists, right? Yeah. So, you know, for Visto, um, it doesn't overstay its welcome. As a result, it's a very lean, it's a very tight movie, um, but yet it moves at a very deliberate pace. Uh, this film uh, really, really, really embraces its patience. Um, the performances by the cast are excellent across the board. I wouldn't say like they're excellent like in a fences sort of way in terms of the ensemble. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like it's these aren't like show stopping performances. Yeah, it's not like a it's not like a class act of acting, but like for the moment in the film, it fits so well. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Everybody does their role very, very well. Nobody feels out of place or nobody's distracting or takes away from anybody else. Joe Egerton continues to prove once again why he's one of the most underrated actors working today. I, I mean, will say I was nervous when Riley Keough and Will or uh, Christopher Abbott's son had a couple scenes. I was nervous that he was going to distract me like when he would have an, a moment of dialogue. I was really nervous. I was like, yeah. oh man, maybe this kid, because it's it's a it's a very bold choice choosing a, a child actor. So I was very nervous that he was going to ruin a couple scenes, but it, it felt fine with me. Yeah, no, I I'm I actually will echo that, and I agree with you completely. Um, I got that vibe too, actually, a couple times. You're right, but it, luckily, um, Trevor Schultz really minimalizes that performance, and in a way, almost uses him as not so much a character, but as a prop for the other <laughs> uh, characters, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Um, and he's definitely a huge catalyst to the third act of the story as yeah, well. Definitely. So um, I would say performances uh, uniformly across the board are all excellent by everybody involved. It's a really, really, really strong ensemble uh, piece here. Cinematography, very, very dark, like you were saying, really helps give this film um, a unique feel and look. Uh, music is really fantastic. You know, it's edited very well. I, you know, it's like this movie is just firing on all cylinders here. Um, I am going to say that it is my favorite horror film of the year. I highly doubt anything else will come along that will top it. You're sure um, Annabelle I, Creation? Well, yeah. Uh, Trey Edward Schultz proves that he is the real deal. Josh, you need to watch Kresha like immediately. Um, probably like right after this. <laughs> it, it's it's so, so, so good. I, I think you're really going to enjoy it a lot. If you yeah. do watch it, please, 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 please tweet me. Definitely. Um, Oscar potential. Man, I could see critics going to bat for Trey Edward Schultz maybe in s- screenplay or maybe in some director yeah. uh, categories. But I can't see anybody from the cast getting singled out. I no. don't really know if the as, – as excellent as uh, the tech elements are and how much they are in service to the story, I just don't see it being remembered come yeah. end of year. No. Yeah. Uh, however, this is one of the best films I've seen this year so far. Yeah. And as a result, this too gets a 9 out of 10 from me. This is number one for me now. Like This is immediately bumped up to number one film of the year for me. I really had to think about it, and I can tell you right now at this moment as we're talking, Logan is still number one. Mm-hmm. This is a very close number two, and it may, may, may flip flop before the year is over. Yeah. Just so, God, I was so satisfied that it was as good as it was. <laughs> I, I, I know, I know. Like I was saying, pure cinematic bliss. If you, yeah. you know, I, I don't get people's reaction towards this movie. The people that don't like it. Yeah, I don't understand. I'm seeing a lot of hate for it on Twitter. Um, people being actually like singled out and set and like you know people that say they love the movie like you know, getting kind of trashed by other people on film Twitter. Mm-hmm. I, I don't get it. 
Yeah, I, I just know. don't understand it at all. I don't know what they were expecting. Um, I can tell you, my friend that I saw it with, he was expecting It Comes at Night, the It to be a monster. He was expecting a monster movie. I was too. Yeah. But what we got is so much more terrifying and so much more effective and that much more emotionally devastating. I kind, I, I agree. I kind of had the expectation of like something along the lines of a monster movie. Mm-hmm. Or a zombie movie. Just like, yeah, like a body horror movie. That's what right, I was ready right. for. And instead, it's more of a, They're like, a, nope. a, 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 a mind horror, or <laughs> yeah. let's call it, right? <laughs> yeah. So, all right, Josh, where can they find you on Twitter? You can find me on Twitter at Josh underscore Williams 09. And you can find me at Next Best Picture. Thank you, everyone, so much for listening to the Next Best Picture podcast and our review of It Comes at Night. You can subscribe to us on SoundCloud, TuneIn, Google Play, Stitcher, iTunes, and Player FM. Be sure to leave us a review on iTunes. We would most certainly appreciate that. We would love to get your feedback. Uh, whatever changes you guys want us to make, believe me, I will whip these people into shape and I will make it happen. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening, everybody, and we will see you all next time. I'm a grown-up. Me too. Yep, me too. But you know, these days, being a grown-up can really suck. Luckily, we're grown-ups who grew up in the coolest generation. We had video arcades. And also some of the best TV and movies ever made. We lived the origin of awesome consumer electronics. The list goes on and on. Yep, Generation X. Exactly. And we're Gen X Grown-Up. Every week, the Gen X Grown-Up podcast explores media, tech, toys, games, and more from both yesterday and today. Through the eyes of Generation Xers who absolutely love that stuff. You can find us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Or find us on our website, genxgrownup.com. Alright, you think that was good enough? I I hope so, man. I'm tired. (laughs) Who listens to a promo on a podcast and then goes and listens to a different podcast? Right. I've never done it. (laughs) Right.